Lord, we thank you. We thank you that you are a good God. We thank you that you have promised and you are faithful to your promises, each and every one of them. We thank you, Lord, that your word is true. We thank you, Lord, that your word has proven its truth. It has fulfilled the prophetic words that you have declared within it. It continues to this day to be true. Despite all the attacks, despite all the assaults against it to destroy it, your word is a living word. Your word never fails. You invite us today to take part in that word and to be part of what that word demonstrates and what, what that word says and what that word will live in us and through us to, to accomplish in our generation. So, Father, as we come to your word now, we ask you, Holy Spirit, to take hold of our hearts, take hold of our minds, and release in us a fresh faith, a fresh understanding, an awakening, a revival of your faithfulness, of your goodness. And Lord, we thank you that you are always ready to give us more. You're always ready to fulfill your purposes. Your, your goodness in our lives is never ending. We thank you, Lord, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good afternoon, everyone. From the nods, I can tell you can all hear me. And from Vartan's uh, continuous lips movement, I know he can hear me. So that tells me that technology is working well today. We don't have to fumble around. I'm so happy that uh, we are in 2022. And uh, as I look around the screen, I can see some who had been stranded in different places are now home. Sujin and Macy, welcome back. Yeah. Uh, I can see around the uh, the videos that some of you are wrapped up and have turned your cameras off because you're not well. Uh, Monica, so good to see you as well. Bless you. Yeah. And uh, some new faces as well. It's always good to see uh, new faces around and uh, we welcome you all. We're so delighted that uh, you're with us today and uh, I know that the Holy Spirit is here. God himself is with us. And uh, I'm going to invite you into a journey. Uh, I know in the past I had promised that I would teach from the book of Leviticus. I'm not doing that today, but I'm taking us back, not to Genesis, uh, but I'm taking us forward to Revelation. It's funny, earlier, before the meeting started, the tech team... Vartan, uh, as the interpreter, myself, and, and the tech team were talking. And uh, I said, Revelation, and they heard Genesis. And I made the joke that Genesis is the genesis of Revelation. Anyway, uh, Genesis means the beginning, right? So it's the beginning of Revelation. It's not a joke if I have to explain it. But anyway, I think you get my drift. So... There's a couple of verses that I want to share with you 
there are verses that uh, describe to us in the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation is the last book of the Bible. And uh, if Genesis is the summary right at the beginning that gives us a telescopic view into all history and all future, Revelation is a compressed picture of what is going on since the time that Jesus left the church on earth alive and well and all the way till the end of the story to the end which doesn't end to eternity so John the disciple of Jesus is invited by the Spirit taken up as it were into heaven and he sees details of things that will happen. And uh, as he's looking at these things, he writes them down in a way that is very pictures, very allegories, very uh, prophetic pictures that are sometimes difficult to understand because they relate to the people that he wrote this book to in a way that means so much more than it would for us 2,000 years later, because we don't have the same points of reference for what the pictures in the book of Revelation are about. So we struggle. And there's been many authors, many teachers, many Bible teachers that have taken a stab at the book of Revelation, and each of us who have touched it, I haven't touched it much in terms of my preaching. I've done a lot of personal reading and personal study in the book of Revelation, but I haven't really preached on it or taught on it much throughout uh, from the pulpit. Uh, not because I don't want to, not because I don't have anything to say, but because I've never felt released to bring anything to the pulpit from there. In the last few weeks, months, it's been different. Uh, I've been sharing quite a bit from Revelation. And uh, I want to do that again today. The, the church, it starts off with John in chapter 1 explaining what he was caught up in the Spirit to see. And then he gives us letters that he has been given by Jesus to give to the seven churches of what is today Turkey, what was then Asia Minor. And each of these letters, teachers have taken many attempts to interpret them as to what they mean, who they are for, can they apply to us today. My personal conviction is that the book of Revelation is applicable in every generation. The truths that are in the book are not just locked up for the future of what will happen, but they are reality to every believer, including the first church, the disciples of Jesus that were on the earth at that time. There were takeaways that they can take from their reading of that letter of John. And that hasn't changed. There are people that have interpreted it and given uh, timelines 
as to when things will be fulfilled. I won't attempt to do that. I don't have that much wisdom. Some have attempted and have failed. Some have predicted certain dates of the return of Jesus, the coming to earth of Jesus, coming back, and they have failed. Uh, that's not the point of today's message at all. The point of today's message is to take away one thing. We each have faced challenges beyond what we have imagined in 2020, in 2021, in 2022. We're still facing challenges. These three years, two years now coming into the third, have been some of the loneliest times for many of us. They've been some of the scariest times because we don't know what to expect. Even for those who have been through major wars. I can't claim I was in the big wars, the world wars, but I was in the 1967 war in Egypt when the Egyptian army was decimated by the Israeli army, the Air Force. I was there and I remember having to turn the lights off and live in, in the apartment with uh, covered windows so that, first of all, nothing comes through in terms of glass that's broken because of the explosions, but also to hide our lights so that the pilots can't see in the city, the uh, Israeli Air, uh, Air Force pilots. Our great grandparents have survived. The, our grandparents have survived the genocide. Our great grandparents have died in the genocide. Some of you have come from places where uh, war was not unfamiliar. You knew war, but this is a different time. This is a time when the war is not external, but it's right here inside, in our minds and in our bodies, in a different way. I'm not saying one is greater than the other, but this is the now, and this is the real. Some of you have ended up in hospital. Some of you have been told that you might not have much to live in terms of time. Some of you have experienced difficulties in the last decade, in the last few years, that are beyond your expectation of what your body, your mind, your heart, your emotions can handle. Uh, the Church of the Nazarene, one of our three churches is a Nazarene church. The Armenian church is a part of the denomination called the, Ar the Church of the Nazarene in Canada. This is a global denomination. Uh, it's been around for over 100 years. The leadership of Canada and the U.S. have come to the place where they are also trying to understand the time that we are in. And they have called a North America-wide time of prayer and fasting to understand, to understand from God, His mind and His heart for this season. They prepared a, a small clip. Let me just uh, play that for you.
they're calling for half a million people to come in prayer and ask the Lord for wisdom, for direction. And they're also calling those half a million people to speak, to share their good news of how God impacted them with others. Half a million people, the Church of the Nazarene in North America is 600,000 large or small, depending on your perspective. So they're, they're aware that not every Nazarene will participate. But because of City River has within it a Nazarene church, we're stepping into this together. And uh, we're inviting you to also be part of that. And what that means to you will be explained over the next weeks and, and how that will function, what your role will be. But as you pray, keep notes of what the Lord is revealing to you. I'll collect those and I'll share them with the denomination at different times. And uh, there is a time when the pastors of Canada Central District, which is Ontario, will be coming together to pray and to share together to discern, to discern what the Lord is speaking to the church in these shifting times. But let's get to the book of Revelation. And let me tell you, uh, I'm focusing on one portion, but I'll jump around in Scripture so that we can understand that portion in the context with the mindset of what the first readers would have understood it. So I'm going to go to chapter 8. And chapter 8 talks about a censor. An incense censor. And we read these words. Another angel with a golden censer came and stood at the altar and was given a great quantity of incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar that is before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints rose before God from the hand of the angel. And the, then the angel took the censer and filled it with fire from the altar. This is the incense altar. And threw it on earth. On earth. He threw the censer with fire in it onto the earth. And there were peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. What a picture. What a picture. Can you imagine that? In the presence of God, on his throne, he is seated. And an angel comes with a censer filled with incense. With fire from the incense altar. There's an altar of incense. And with it, the prayers of the saints. Pictures that are confusing if you don't know the background. So what is the background? Well, 
let's look at some of the things that contribute to our understanding of the background. We read earlier in the book of Revelation that standing between the throne and the four living creatures, John saw a person, a person that was standing as if it had been slaughtered. Let me read the, the scripture, not paraphrase. Then I saw between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, a lamb. He saw a lamb and this lamb looked like it had been slaughtered, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He went and took the scroll from the ha right hand of the one who was not seated on the throne. The imagery tells us that that lamb is Jesus. He is called the Lamb of God by John the Baptist. He was the sacrifice lamb on the day of Passover. And we celebrate that every time we have communion. He was sacrificed for our sin. His blood was shed for our sin. He takes the scroll from the hand of God the Father who is seated on the throne and he is about to open it. When he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell before the Lamb to worship him, each holding a harp and a golden bowl full of incense. There's that picture again. But here he gives us a key to understanding. He tells us that these 24 elders who are representatives of the family of God in both the Old and the New Covenant. Some would interpret that to mean there were the 12 heads of the tribes of Israel and the 12 apostles. We don't know fully. We have ideas. I have ideas. But it doesn't really matter. It represents 24 who are human elders who are representing before God humanity of both in Israel before the church was birthed and since Christ after the resurrection when the church is established they represent the family of God the covenant people of God throughout history and they have golden bowls and harps they're singing worship with the harps and they're lifting up prayers and it tells us here what the incense bowls are which are the prayers of the saints your and my prayers And they sang a new song. And the song is, You are worthy to the Lamb they're singing now to take the scroll and to open its seals. You were slaughtered, and by your blood you ransomed God's saints from every tribe. Now listen, this is not about the Jews or the Gentiles or the Armenians or the Koreans or the Iranians. This is about everybody. This is the path that every human person can come to know God in a personal relationship. And this is how it was done. It was done through the power of the blood of the Lamb. The Lamb that was slain, the Lamb that was slaughtered. And these are saints from every tribe, small, tiny community, a tribe, from every language. We have no idea how many languages are on the earth, but from every language there are saints from every people, ethnos, ethnic group, 
from every nation. There's close to 200 nations, according to the UN, today on Earth. Actually, there's 197. Latest count. And you have made them into a kingdom and priests. What do priests do? They stand between. They communicate to the one God and to the many people. And from the many people to the one God. They stand as the go-between, serving our God, and they will reign on the earth. That's the church today. Will reign at some point on the earth. So we understand a little bit more now about what happens in chapter 8. That's yet to happen. It happened to some degree, to some perspectives, but it is still going to happen to a great degree, to the fulfillment of the fullness of it, is yet to come. So, how do we understand these things? Well, God gave Moses a template for humanity to understand it back, not Genesis, but Exodus. Genesis was the Genesis of Revelation, I said, but Exodus was the coming out of Revelation. So, the Exodus. What happened in the Exodus? In chapter 30 of Exodus, we read these words. He tells Moses to tell Aaron to do these things. So, he's talking to Moses here. God is talking. He, sa he says, you shall make an altar on which to offer incense. You shall make it out of acacia wood. It's not metal. It's made of wood. It shall be one cubit long. Now, we don't know exactly what a cubit is, but it's probably somewhere around the, the distance from my elbow to my tip of my hand or my wrist. We're not exactly sure. It's probably this length here, which is about a foot long. Some of you remember the comedian who had created this comedy skit about God and Noah and telling Noah how to build an ark and tell him to measure so many cubits and Noah had no idea what a cubit was, at least the comedian didn't. Anyway, I, I, I divert. It should be one cubit wide and it should be square. So it's a, it's a squarish, too high, so it's like basically a column, a rectangular column. And it should have horns on the sides. And the horn shall be one piece with it. It has four horns on the four corners. You shall overlay it with pure gold. Its top, its sides all around, and its horns. You shall make it for it. You shall make for it a molding of God, gold all around. Now it's interesting that it's not metal. It's not bronze like the altar. It is wood that's covered in gold. It speaks of preciousness, but it also speaks of earthliness. It speaks of the humanity that has been redeemed by the goodness and the grace of God it speaks of wood that is corruptible and that's burnable in the fire that has been redeemed. It speaks of you and me as humans. 
who could be sent into the fire to be burnt, but have been kept and now are covered and clothed with gold. Aaron was just leading us and singing. They shall be clothed in white robes. Aaron shall offer fragrant incense on it. Every morning when he dresses the lambs, he shall offer it. And when Aaron sets up the lamps in the evening, he shall offer it. So this incense altar is supposed to have incense on it, morning and evening, lifted up. How many times a day? Twice a day. How many days a week? Every day of the week. How many weeks a year? Every week of the year. For how many years? A regular incense offering before the Lord throughout your generations. In other words, forever. In other words, the people that have been covered with gold, the wood that has been covered with gold, you and me who have been redeemed and covered by the blood of the Lamb, who is worthy to unravel the scroll, are to offer incense morning and evening. You know, one time I was joking with someone and I said, you know, I'm on a diet. I'm eating only twice a day. And they said, oh yeah, uh, when do you eat? I said, night and day. In other words, it's a continuous eating. And that's what this incense is about. It's a continuous incense. It is meant to have been refreshed in the morning, refreshed in the evening, but all through the day, all through the night, the incense rises up and the incense goes up before the, the Lord. What's the big deal about incense, especially we as a church? Don't burn incense. The Orthodox Church, the Catholic Church, uses incense in their worship. We don't. What's up with that? So why am I making such a big deal about incense? But he goes on and tells Aaron, you shall not offer unholy incense on it or a burnt offering. In other words, don't bring a piece of an animal, a bird or an animal and burn it on this incense as a peace offering or a burnt offering or even a grain offering and you shall not pour a drink offering on it. There's another altar for that. This is something different. This is a holy incense altar. Does that make sense? Probably not when you don't have a visual of what the whole thing looks like, the way that God told Moses to build it. So let's look at the, the temple, or excuse me, the tabernacle, and the way God instructed Moses to do it. The tabernacle was supposed to be a big tent in the middle of the desert, because they were to carry it from place to place as they were traveling. It has a huge tent on the outside, in the outer area, and then outside of this smaller tent that is covered in the open tent, there is a huge altar that they're burning animals on. You can't get to the big tent, or the small tent rather, until first you come into the big tent, the open tent, pass by the altar, take me past the brazen altar, and the priests that sing their praise, take me in to the Holy of Holies. I want to see your face. You can't get into the presence of God, which is in the Holy of Holies, 
until first you pass through the brazen altar where the animal sacrifice is. Worthy is he, the lamb that was slain. He became the one and only final sacrifice. The only way to the Father is through me, he said. But then when you come through that, when the animal has been sacrificed, now you come into the place where you are now wood that's been covered by gold. And you can enter into the holy place. And when you enter into the holy place, what do we find in the holy place? Here's another illustration of it. What do we find in the holy place? In the holy place, that's inside the big tent there, in the holy place, we find there's different objects. Later, the tabernacle that was a tent was made into a permanent building by Solomon, the son of David. Same objects, now in a physical building, fixed location in Jerusalem. What do we find on the inside? Well, on the inside, we find all of these different details. We find golden lampstands representing the light that Jesus is and now we are. We find a table called the table of showbread that has 12 loaves of bread on it because he said, I am the bread of life. And we also find the altar of incense. And the altar stands at the entranceway of the Holy of Holies. You can't even get into the Holy of Holies without the, coming by this altar of incense. That has incense on it day and night. Morning and evening it's been refreshed. But that was all you could access 364 days a year. The priests would only work in that area. They would not be able to get into the Holy of Holies. There was a veil, a veil that parted things. But the incense was always active. Once a year, the high priest, Aaron, in the first place, would come and would place blood from the sacrifices that were offered on the brazen altar out in the courtyard. And he would anoint the horns with the, with the blood and take some of the fire and the incense from the incense altar and go into the Holy of Holies where the presence of God was. Once a year, until the death of Jesus, when that veil in the temple that was built by Solomon refreshed by Herod, rebuilt after the, the Israelites were taken out of Israel and into Babylon and, and Persia, and the temple was destroyed. Now it was rebuilt by Ezra and Nehemiah, built the wall, and they rebuilt all that, and then Herod came and finalized it. So at the time of Jesus, it was the, the, the Herod, uh, excuse me, Herod's temple. And as Jesus was dying, the veil... That thick curtain was torn from top to bottom. And now we read in Hebrews that the access has been opened. You and I have now access because of what Jesus has done to enter into the presence of God anytime. Not once a year, anytime. The altar, the sacrifice altar, has already been covered by the blood of Jesus. We don't have to sacrifice any more animals. 
He is the light of the world among us. He has placed His light in us and calls us the light with Him. He has given us the bread of life. We eat His body. We become part of the same family. When we take communion, we celebrate that. But there is the incense altar. And there's the prayers of the saints. And what's to happen with all of that? How does that work? David understood all of this. He said, let my prayer be counted as incense before you and the lifting of my hands as an evening sacrifice. He understood what God told Moses to build in the tabernacle. He understood because the tabernacle was all they had at that point. And he wanted to build a house for God, a dwelling place for God amongst his people. God wouldn't allow him. He had allowed his son. But he had brought back the Ark of the Covenant and he put it into an open tabernacle without the veil, without the curtains, without the covering. And people could worship there all the time. And he saw the glory of God there. So he understood the incense altar is his own prayers. The prayers that are lifted up and being added to the censer in the, in the book of Revelation is the prayer of the saints. But there's a part in the, the, the chapter 8 that we read that doesn't quite make sense. This passage here, this scripture here that says that the angel took the censer filled with the fire from the altar and threw it on the earth. And there were peals of thunder and rumbling and flashes of lightning. That doesn't fit the profile of what we understand God as a loving God to be. God is going to bring destruction on the earth? Well, we need to understand a little bit better. The people that were living before this all happened and during the time that it's all happening, the people that were the, earth, uh, the, the believers, the Christians on the earth, I believe it wasn't just the Christian. It was the same thing that was happening in Egypt when Israel was slaves in Egypt. I heard the cry of my people and I have come down. So let's read this passage together and I think it will begin to make more sense. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slaughtered for the word of God and for the testimony they had given. These were martyrs. The first martyr in the church was stoned in the presence of Paul when he was still Saul. Scripture goes on and says, They cried out with a loud voice. I heard the cry of my people in Egypt. Okay. Sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long will it be before you judge and avenge our blood on the inhabitants of the earth? Their vision was that the enemy was a physical one, maybe. Or maybe they were talking about spirits that were affecting demons that were affecting things on earth. Whatever the case, they were asking for vengeance. Israel was asking from ve for vengeance against Pharaoh and the Egyptians. 
they were each given white robes. We sang about that just today. And told to rest a little longer until the number would be complete, both of their fellow servants and of their brothers and sisters who were soon to be killed as they themselves had been killed. Now I'm going to use my liberty to interpret this a little bit different than what a lot of others may have interpreted. Some may have interpreted this way. I've not come across it. But these are not necessarily people that have been killed physically. They may have had their dreams killed. They have, may have had their ambitions killed. They may have, have, have had their reputations killed. These are people that have suffered loss. My great-grandparents were killed in the Armenian Genocide. So they're part of that number. But it's not just about those who physically die. Some of you today are feeling being like you're being killed because of the loneliness and everything else that's been going on with COVID. Some of you may be feeling that you've been killed by some things that have happened in your life, your dream, your family, your, your marriage, your, your business, your situation has changed in such a way that you feel that you've been killed to some degree. But God says, wait a little longer. Rest, take it easy. I am not blind. I am a good judge. Jesus helped wrap all this up for us when he gave us the parable in Luke 18. In Luke 18, he tells them about this woman that keeps coming to the judge to ask for justice because of a situation in her life that she was not able to get justice. And the judge would ignore her week after week after week of her coming. But then finally the judge relented and says, I want to be rid of this woman. Let me see what she wants. I'll just give it to her. It doesn't matter whether it's worth it or not, or if it's right or wrong, not. She was asking for good judgment because of her situation, which was injustice. And Jesus says, look at this unjust judge and what he did. Listen to what the unjust judge says. Will not God grant justice to his chosen ones who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long in helping them? What I'm trying to get at today is this incense that needs to rise up is holy incense. It is incense that's inside the holy place. It is incense that is yearn my prayers that needs to rise up for us, for one another, for our situations. Seeking justice. Some of you are seeking justice before God for the unborn. We've never talked about this as a church, about the issue of abortion. It's such a divisive issue. But some of you are very focused on that and make that your life goal to see justice brought to the lives of the babies that have been aborted in the fetus, uh, in the womb, the fetuses that have been aborted in the womb. 
Some of you want justice because of misinformation that has been spoken against you. Some of you want justice because you've been abused in your relationships. Some of you want justice because a boss has fired you unjustly. Some of you want justice because you've had to leave your home and to come to Canada because somebody has taken over your land that is not righteous. Whatever the circumstance, lift up your prayers. Some of you are feeling the pressure of COVID in your bodies right now. Lift up your prayers for yourself and the rest of us are lifting up our prayers with you. What am I getting at? In the scripture, the verse said that the incense was thrown, the censer was thrown on the earth, and there were peals of lightning, peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. Well, that doesn't always sound, it's not always what it sounds like. It is not destruction necessarily. Look at what it says in the book of Revelation, just a chapter before that, in chapter 4. Coming from the throne of God are flashes and lightning of lightning and rumbling and peals of thunder. That's the presence of God. When our incense is filled in the censer and the angel throws the censer on the earth, it is exactly what happened in the book of Exodus when God says to Moses, I have heard the cry of my people and I have come down and I will now set them free. I will judge Pharaoh. And there were the 10 plagues and there was the release of Israel out of Egypt. You have been suffering for long. Your desires have not been met. Your dreams have been shattered. Your prayers fill the incense the, your prayers are the incense that fills the censer, and the angel has been given a lot of incense, and he throws that onto the earth, and the presence of God comes. Forget judgment, forget all of that. That's going to come when it's time. But in our present day, it is the presence of God that will come down and inhabit your place. It is Emmanuel, God with us. That is what I need in my life. That is what you need in your life. That is what you need in your relationships. That is what you need in your life and physically and in your health, in your business, in your finances, in your relationships. That's what we all need is the presence of God. So as we lift up our prayers, as we join this 499,999 other Nazarenes, we are that one. We join with them to seek God in this coming season. But Forget just this coming season, which is until the day of Pentecost this year. This is a continual order that God gave Moses for Aaron to keep the incense altar firing at all times. It is your and my call to be the kings and the priests that stand before God and lift up our incense. Will you take that challenge? Will you take seriously prayer? Will you begin to pray for your needs seriously? Like that woman in Luke chapter 18. I don't have time to get into it today, but look, open it up and read Luke 18. The first few verses tell you about this woman that was 
being treated unjustly and how the judge in one second turned things around for her. Read Exodus, the story of Moses and the uh, people of Israel. Amazing book of God's righteousness in the midst of challenges against the gods of Egypt. God wants to shake things up. He wants to shake things up. There will be an earthquake in your life when God comes down. There will be pills of thunder and flashes of lightning. All of that is His presence among us. Let us pray. Father, we thank You for Your faithfulness. We thank You for the cohesion of Your Word. We thank You for the power that You have demonstrated in history to bring about what is real, to establish Your throne in our midst. We thank You, Lord, that one of the three churches of City River is named Emmanuel, that reminds us that You are God with us. And You've invited us into the place of lifting up our prayers before You. You want to hear our prayers. Your Word tells us that, come, bring your prayers to me, and will I not reveal great things to you? Teach us to pray and to listen in prayer, because you want to just unravel things and bring us to the place where we hear all that you have in store. I thank you, and I pray your blessing over our people today. In Jesus' name, amen. Ayo, ayo, ikakos tatsadze. You know, 